Hello, and welcome to Sharing Our Journey, a podcast from Harrodsburg Baptist Church, where we're all about sharing our journey toward Jesus. Before we hear from Dr. Paul Gibson, we'd like to invite you to take that journey with us. To find out more, follow us on social media at HBC Harrodsburg or visit harrodsburgbaptist.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you very soon. Hey everyone, Dr. Paul here. Thank you for tuning in today's radio broadcast uh, or our HBC podcast. I want to start today's sermon time off uh, with just a prayer, asking God to bless our time of sermon. And if you're driving, please do not close your eyes and bow your heads. Uh, Pray with your eyes open, uh, but join me in prayer. Lord, I pray that these next few minutes are honorable to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, there's a show that is currently on Apple TV called Ted Lasso. And it has swept the nation because of how popular and positive that it is. And people gather to watch Ted Lasso. And if you were to watch Ted Lasso in the movie, it's built around this American football coach that goes over to Europe to coach a uh, football, which is uh, soccer uh, in the States, football over in England. He goes over to uh, England to coach a uh, soccer team, fictional soccer team called AFC Richmond. And it's a fascinating story, but what I want to talk about today is how what you see when you uh, watch Ted Lasso is people gather to cheer on AFC Richmond. They come together in bars and pubs and restaurants and inside the stadium and inside homes to cheer on AFC Richmond. There's a great fan base in the show for the soccer club AFC Richmond, and there is a literal great fan base uh, for the show Ted Lasso uh, currently in our culture. Why am I talking about Ted Lasso and the fictional club AFC Richmond and people coming together? Because... Believe it or not, the same word that we use for church could be used to describe the coming together that we see the fictitional fans do for AFC Richmond. The same word we use for church could be used to describe the same uh, real-time, real-life people coming together to watch Ted Lasso. Because our English word for church in the Greek is really ekklesia. And ecclesia was used by the Greeks, by the Romans, to simply describe a gathering of people. So ecclesia was used uh, during Jesus' time, during Paul's time, to simply describe a gathering of people. So we could say that the uh, ecclesia of people gathering for AFC Richmond, we could say that's a church. I know it's kind of weird, isn't it? We could say that people gathering in real homes to watch Ted Lasso, it's a gathering. We could call it an ecclesia. We could call it a church. So the word ecclesia, which we use to describe church, simply meant a gathering or an assembly of people. But there's a big difference in the way the first and second century used the word ecclesia and the way Christ followers used ecclesia. 
You see, an ecclesia could be any assembly or gathering uh, during that time, but the church, the New Testament church, Christ's followers took the term ecclesia and they applied it to the fellowship of believers. So today, as part of the universal church, we continue to use the term ecclesia, but in English as church to describe a gathering of believers or the body of believers. And the sermon series for the month of August here at HBC is titled Ecclesia, Church. And the subtitle is Discovering the Beauty of the Church. So we're going to talk this entire month about how powerful and how beautiful the church is. Not just any random assembly, not just any random gathering, but the Ecclesia of Christ. Believers coming together and sharing confession, confession in Christ. How powerful that is when we come together as believers and share a confessional faith in Jesus. So, Ecclesia, discovering the beauty of the church. You're going to hear me talk today about the beauty of conversion. And if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn over to Acts chapter 2. Next week, we're going to talk about the beauty of worship as we worship and we celebrate the cool things that the Lord did through our youth and our kids at camp this summer. On August 15th, we're going to talk about the beauty of discipleship. And we're going to talk about how it's a beautiful thing when God's people study the Word of God together. On August 22nd, we're going to talk about the beauty of missions. And we're going to talk about how it's a beautiful thing when God's people, when His ecclesia, serve the community together. And then on Sunday, August 29th, we're going to talk about the beauty of evangelism. When God's people, when His ecclesia, worship Him, study His Word, and serve on mission together, the kingdom of God grows. And that's a beautiful thing. So as we talk about the church, the gathering of confessional believers in Christ, we're going to talk about conversion and worship and discipleship and missions and evangelism. And if you've been at HBC for the past 18 months, you know that conversion and worship and discipleship and missions and evangelism are steps on our shared journey towards Jesus. So we're going to get real fundamental and real biblical this month in regards to what is the church, what's the purpose of the church, and if I do my job and if we do our job as a church staff, Hopefully, you're going to see in an even better light the beauty of the church. Well, let's talk about the beauty of conversion. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn over to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read a little bit uh, in Acts chapter 2 in different sections of that chapter. So leave your Bible open to Acts 2. And let's look at Acts 2, verse 1. Scripture says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Verse 4 says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. What's going on here? This is what the uh, church calls Pentecost. And 
during this specific Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and fell on his uh, on God's people. Matter of fact, this is the birth of the church. This is the birth of the ecclesia, the confessional body of believers that gathered in the name of Christ. And what we're going to see today as we read through Acts chapter 2, we're going to see that this Holy Spirit falling on his people actually motivated Peter to preach. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me back up and slow down for a second. Because I want you to notice in verse 2 that there was uh, something or a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. And then we see in verse 4 that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That violent wind represented the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven and falling on God's people. And here's the truth about the ecclesia of confessional Christ followers gathering together. If we're going to be a church, whether it be HBC or one of the other great churches in our community, or maybe a great church in your community, if we're going to be a church that truly is a confessional uh, body of believers following Christ, it all starts with the Holy Spirit falling upon us. So as a church, if we are going to be effective for God's kingdom, we have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit pouring out on us. And we're going to see at the end of Acts chapter 2 that the church was birthed but it started with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit moves in people. It stirs people. And if we want HBC or any other church to be an effective church, an effective ecclesia of confessional Christ followers, it starts with the Holy Spirit falling on us and moving in our hearts. Well, what happens when the Holy Spirit moves on us? and falls on our hearts. Jump down to verse 14. Scripture says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. What's Peter preparing to do? Peter is preparing to preach. He is preparing to tell the story of the Old Testament being fulfilled in Jesus. And that story we call the gospel. The good news of Jesus coming as the Son of God to die for the sins of the earth. Which, if you know anything about the Old Testament, he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So if you were to read uh, verses 14 down, you would see that Peter tells the story of Christ, tells the story of Christ being the fulfillment of the Old Testament, tells the story of Jesus and the gospel. So I encourage you to see going back to the beginning of Acts chapter 2 that the first ecclesia of confessional Christ followers, the first church started with the Holy Spirit pouring down on his people. And then Peter was stirred and moved to preach. And that's what happens in a healthy church, in a biblical church. The Holy Spirit is moving, and, and, and then the Word is preached by a faithful preacher. 
and the word goes out and scripture tells us that it's not going to return void and if the preacher standing on the stage is is empowered by the holy spirit and they're preaching the truth then the hearts of the people are going to be stirred as long as those hearts are open so the church any church any biblical church starts with a pouring out of the holy spirit and that holy spirit results in a preaching of the word of god or preaching of the gospel by the preacher but also by the church members it's called evangelism we're so stirred we're so moved by by the holy spirit in our life by jesus changing our life that we want to tell others but our motivation is because the spirit falls on us so any biblical church any healthy church in light of scripture there's going to be a palpable presence of the holy spirit in it there's going to be a strong proclamation of the gospel which is what peter does here and then there's going to be conviction Jump down to verse 29. This is Peter preaching. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Set at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter preached the good news. He preached the good news that Jesus was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay, but instead Jesus was raised to life. That's what we believe today as a confessional ecclesia of Christ followers, as a, as a gathering of people who confess faith in Jesus. We believe that Jesus was crucified. We believe that Jesus died for our sins, but we believe that he did not stay dead. But instead, we believe that he was resurrected. And that after he was resurrected, he ascended back to heaven where he sits at God's right hand. And when he went back, he sent the Holy Spirit to be poured on the ecclesia of his people, the gathering of his people, so that his people might proclaim his very story, the good news of his life, death, and resurrection. We are here today as a church body, or you're listening, hopefully as a Christ follower, and you believe verse 36. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. We are not just an assembly, not just some random gathering. We are an ecclesia, a gathering that believes that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. That means that he is king of our life and that he delivered us from sin. 
Lord being King, Messiah being the promised deliverer. You see, the Holy Spirit begins with the, with, with, or the church begins with the Holy Spirit falling on the church. And, and it moves in the hearts of believers and, and the pastor or the preacher proclaims the gospel uh, to the church, but then the church goes and proclaims the gospel through personal and through communal evangelism. And then there's conviction. After people, uh, after the people heard this in verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? When a church is empowered by the Holy Spirit, when a church is empowered uh, by the Holy Spirit and falls on the preacher and falls on the people to go and proclaim the gospel, when the Holy Spirit is moving, people will be convicted. And they're going to proclaim, or they're going to ask, Brothers, sisters, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call the ecclesia of Christ, the gathering of Christ's people. The church begins with the Holy Spirit falling on His people. It continues with the proclamation of the gospel. Then people hear the gospel and they're convicted and they say, brother, they say, sister, what shall we do to be saved? And then we say to them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Conversion. You see, you can't be a member of God's church. You can't be part of the ecclesia or the gathering of Jesus unless you believe in Jesus, unless you've repented of your sins, unless you have been baptized. You can't be part of His church. Now, there's a little wiggle room here in regards to confessing Christ and being baptized. And what I mean by that is, once we confess Jesus, based upon my best understanding of Scripture, we have been washed, we have been forgiven, we have been redeemed. But I encourage you to see that God calls us to take the next step, which is baptism. A uh, metaphorical representation of our sins being washed away. When we go into the water and we come out of the water, we're proclaiming that we are no longer that old dead person. Instead, we are a new person who has new life in Christ. And that's why if you are actively attending HBC, you know that on August 8th, we're having a baptism Sunday to encourage people who have never followed Christ or have followed Christ but have never followed Him in believer's baptism. We're encouraging them to make the decision to follow Jesus and be baptized because that's how you become part of this ecclesia. That's how you become part of God's church. Repent, believe, and be baptized. And I want to encourage you to really hear or read the words, or maybe both, of Acts 2.40. Peter tells them, repent and be baptized. And this is the result in Acts 40. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And verse 41 just makes me tingle. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
3,000 people responded after hearing Peter's call of the gospel. 3,000 people responded after the Holy Spirit fell on this ecclesia. People together who worship Christ, 3,000 people fell on the first church, or I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit fell on the first church. Peter preached the gospel of Christ. The people were convicted, and 3,000 of them gave their life to Jesus. 3,000 of them repented and were baptized. You see, remember the title of the sermon is The Beauty of Conversion. Conversion is a beautiful thing when the Holy Spirit blows new life into a church because that new life comes with people's lives being changed. And whether it be our kids or our teenagers or some of our adults, here recently we've seen some life change. And it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's life change that we don't bring about. It's life change that God brings about through His Holy Spirit falling on people and changing people. And again, if you're listening today, my prayer is this, that you are part of the Church of Christ. Not the Church of Christ. Well, you know what I mean. We're like Baptists and Methodists. I'm not talking about any denomination. I'm talking about the ecclesia, the gathering of people who call Christ their King and Deliverer, who call Christ their Lord and Messiah. And what I want to challenge you today to do is to do just that. Make Jesus your King, make Him your Deliverer, make Him your Lord, and make Him your Messiah. And if the Holy Spirit is stirring in you right now, if you feel that thumping in your chest, if you feel that visceral call or tug of the Lord, if you're driving down the road, pull off. Simply say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. And then let a church know that you want to be baptized. Come here next week and be baptized at HBC. Or maybe, again, you have followed Jesus but you've never been baptized. Hey, next week's a great Sunday to be baptized. We invite you to become baptized here, become part of our ecclesia here. But if you're closer to another church, that's fine. We're all on the same team. Just go be baptized after you make your confession of faith. There's one other thing I want to say. Maybe you've already confessed faith in Jesus. Maybe you've already been baptized and you're just a church member. Now, if you were to see me right now when I said just I made quotations overplaying the word just like yeah you're just a church member friend you are not just a church member you are somebody that according to Acts 2 the Holy Spirit lives in and, and sometimes we're so busy and we're so uh, cluttered with life that we choke out the, the, the message of the Spirit and the stirring of the Spirit in our life and we rob ourselves of a blessing of God using us in order to tell His gospel story to others. So maybe the challenge for you today as you're listening, or tonight as you're listening, is, is not to give your life to Jesus. You've already done that. It's not to, uh, to be baptized. You've already done that. But maybe the calling for you tonight, or today, is to declutter your heart. Declutter your life. Make room for the Holy Spirit to stir in you. 
Because as we see in Acts chapter 2, if the Holy Spirit stirs in you, other people's lives are going to be changed. So I pray right now, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that if you need to make Jesus your Lord Messiah, you do so. If He already is your Lord Messiah and you've never been baptized, I pray you do so. Or maybe you need to declutter your life, declutter your heart, and make room for the Spirit to stir in you so that you can help others experience the life change of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for sharing our journey. If you'd like to join us for worship, we come together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Harrodsburg Baptist Church, 312 South Main Street, Harrodsburg, Kentucky. For more information, follow us on social at HBC Harrodsburg or visit harrodsburgbaptist.org. As you go, we pray that you will share your journey toward Jesus with others. May the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.